0: Welcome to Who the Fuck Are at Monkeys, the podcast where we chat to interesting people about their favourite song from the titular lads from High Green as well as much more. This week I was joined by Jack from Australian group Psychedelic Porn Crumpets. We explored how he discovered the group at an early age whilst living in England, before discussing how that childhood upbringing in the UK and then his later move to Australia have both influenced his songwriting. We chatted further on how Art Monkeys have continued to change as a group from album to album, and then examined this in the context of Psychedelic Porn Crumpets' own career and their evolution as a group. We talked further on subjects such as British bands Breaking America, how ambitions change over time, and he reveals his story about a backstage encounter with Alex Turner during the group's Tranquility-based London shows. But before all of that, he shares his favourite track from the 6 album discography. Here's me and Jack from Psychedelic Porn Crumpets, talking all things Outer Monkeys.
1: I chose Brian Storm, but... There's too many to choose from, really. I think that's the first band that I'd been showed by a good friend, Sam Weston. And he lives in Dubai at the moment. But his mum lived in Sheffield for a while. And I think they were from Sheffield. They came down with this CD of like 20 songs or something. It was before Arctic Monkeys had released their first record. And I think they were handing out this like little EP. And so Amanda, Sam's mum, had gone. It uh, must have been one of their shows. And I think when they moved down to Milton Keynes or Bowman Sands, where we we're from, they were playing it and they were like, oh, you've got to check this band out. Man, this would have been 2002 maybe, 2003. I really... Yeah,
0: yeah, way back. Yeah. I remember the the rumours of that, Cause it was the kind of MySpace days too.
1: Yeah, yeah, it would have been... I think it was even before that. It would have been MSN days. <laughs> like I wasn't even... Yeah, I think I was like 10. But I remember loving it. And I remember uh, it had like fake tales of San Francisco on it, like um, what else? you look good on the dance floor. And then you had... Um, Certain Romance, they had that. Oh, was, brilliant song. Yeah, and I remember the lyrics and that. I was like, wow, like really getting hooked into it at sort of a young age. And when I went to Australia, they hadn't even released their first album yet. And telling everyone, I was like, they were like, who's your favourite band? I was like, Arctic Monkeys. And they were like, what? Like, who are they? And I was like, oh, like, and they're not out here yet. And, then, and I think that album, when they released that first record, sort of started getting big. But I think it was the second album for me when I... Obviously having... The step up in quality and sound and production and sort of songwriting as well. That favorite Worst Nightmare record, I was like, whoa. And I think you just can't get past the first track. So, Brian Storm for me is the song I chose. I mean, I
0: get it's kind of it's straight in. You have that thunderous. It's the drumming it starts on, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. you kind of straight in with that. It's an interesting one lyrically, too, though, because it is this kind of character study of this. Um, shady, kind of dislikable figure. <laughs> Isn't
1: that all Alex <laughs> <Dennis> songs?
0: This <laughs> is like everyone's scum I'll write about it. <laughs> I guess yeah, definitely the first albums, and then it kinda goes a wee bit more introspective. Yeah. I mean for you as a songwriter, it feels like you're kind of more the latter stuff in terms of a lot of your things tend to be from a very first person point of view as opposed to writing about someone else. <laughs> I, I can t- think of too many of your tunes that
1: No, I had like literally as soon as I thought about doing this interview I was like all my lyrics are just about me just I was like fuck maybe I should try a page from Alex Turner's book start writing about other people I think it's just you're like maybe I'm just self-obsessed maybe I just want to be like I (laughs) me I me my that's it every every song starts off with that but it is great his lyrical sort of journey where you can find a character and even if you're just making it up I think you've got more to work with where I suppose for myself it's like this diary kind of insert which you get stuck on there's so many so many songs you can be like this is what i'm doing this is how i'm feeling blah 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 so it is the next step for me is moving up a person i'm getting second person soon alex <laughs> but then i mean how
0: long have you been doing Punk club it's now like eight years or something thereabouts
1: well i've always been writing i think it was the first one that sort of like this was the first solo project so even like songs like surf's up it's probably eight years old and Fangorn tomato had that for a while um marmalade march was back in 2013 or 14 so yeah we would be pushing that wow and then the first album was just the collection of those sort of songs
0: the thing is though if you've changed quite a lot as a person in the interim of those eight years then the songs can have taken a different subject matter anyway as a result of that
1: oh for sure for sure i think but it is nice like listening to th- there is a there's a funny way of looking at it actually because i think you've got a lot of english writing seems to be sort of about things and about sort of certain scenarios or maybe they would like writing... Say, like, The Kooks, for instance, who got really big, or, like, um, Oasis, one of the biggest bands ever. A lot of their songs are sort of about someone else. Like, rather than you'd hear Australian bands and it's so introspective. So let's just take King Giz and Tame and for instance. Like, a lot of that music is about what they've done or who they are or what they're doing. Whereas I think... It's almost like a way that I suppose it's bit more personal, but it's not saying it's in any way different or better or whatever. I think I'd love to sort of start writing about actual events and things and people, but it's, it's a different challenge. It's a whole... Well, I think once you start writing yourself or any artist, you find a style, you find a way... And I think lyrics I never actually sang in a band, so it was like guitar first and then you're like, oh God, now I've got to write lyrics or I've got to thinking about, like, the next stage in this. <laughs> so then you go, what am I listening to? What do I like? I suppose Psych Rock's just about how fucked up you get, isn't it? It's just like, oh, blah, 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 and then I drank, and then I took this, and, blah, 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 and then it just carries on at, like, 190 BPM. But, yeah, I think if you do go back to the indie days, a lot of it is about certain and other people. They have characters, and I think that's why it's so... Apart from, I'd say, Pete Doggerty, <laughs> he's probably the only... uh person that I'd say does write about himself. But even then he talks about other people. It's it's uh I don't know. I have no idea. You should do a case study on it. <laughs> do you
0: do you see that kind of push and pull between the two for you then? Because obviously coming with that English background that like we're saying writing about characters and then now that you're immersed in Australia, where like you're saying it's more introspective. Do you see both sides to that in your songwriting?
1: I'd I'd like to, yeah. I think definitely coming from can I even say I'm a Kasabian fan anymore? Like or like I don't know. Uh, <laughs> You're like, uh, I mean I'm a Kasabian fan. Well, I think when it's, I, yeah, I it's fine. Yeah, I don't know. Kasabian fan with a caveat. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But it's like back when they first came out with that first record, like a polyphonic prostitute, like all those lyrics and from that um is it self titled record? Or Club the one with Clubfoot, those lyrics sort of are exactly the sort of same as almost an Alex Turner world where it's creating characters and creating things in certain environments, but using like yourself as the sort of the anchor to that world the listeners going to hear rather than, I suppose, going back into a Kevin Parker world where it's quite personal. It's quite open and you're sort of involved in the journey with them rather than being taken on the journey. But I don't, I've never really thought about it too much until i literally about a couple of days ago when I started listening to Outer Monkeys again after doing this podcast and chucked on Favorite Worst Nightmare. And there is an element of Alex in, I suppose a lot of those lyrics, but it's so it's kind of coming from a way that he can still remain relatively i don't know what the word is like he he can sort of be unguided or He can take you with it, but you're not judging him at all by who he is because he's saying everything else about everyone else. So
0: I guess it's that age old thing too that you can tell more about the person describing the object than the description itself. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: The object itself rather. What's that? There's a famous little saying about that, isn't there? I can't remember. Now we're going to go diving into Plato. (laughs) Plato? Plato? Pluto?
0: A dog. It's interesting that we're kind of touching upon the first albums there because that's what feels tied to your songwriting in terms of the setting of it. Like we're saying, you know, a lot of it takes place late at night. Yeah. This kind of party setting, night out type thing. But then the third album probably feels more tied to your sound directly with those kind of psyche influences.
1: I reckon, yeah. I, it was like, was that like Crying Lightning? Is that Humbug? Yeah, Humbug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, and the, is that Don't Sit Down because I you moved your chair? No, that's fourth. Oh, that's, that's suck the fourth. C. That's second C. Yeah. That's a cracking song. That is a banger of a track. It's like you could hear Alex Turner getting a Tame Impala vibe and him writing his sort of riff based rather than doing his sort of uh, – because I've always admired how Arctic Monkeys can create a riff, which is like the, the hardest th- – I think if you ask any guitar player, the hardest thing in the world is to write something so simple that it's so like its own, it's so unique – Like if you were like use four notes and make me uh, a white stripes track, like what's that seven nation army or however, it's like that you would hum and distinctly know that comes from that band. Alex Turner just pumps them out. It's like the whole of that favorite worst nightmare record. And obviously the first album as well. I think that's why I got hooked in sort of the strange kind of world of riffs, like listening to Teddy picker. You're like, wow, that slaps. It's like, it's not heavy, but it goes harder than some Black Sabbath tracks. You're just like, what? Like, it doesn't need a crash tra- crash cymbal or these big drums or big thing. It's like everyone tight on a weird note that you wouldn't usually put into some progression. I don't know. I've definitely, I have no idea about music theory, but that's, it sounds like what you can hear with Alex Turner is that he's ta- ta- taught himself guitar, but he's gone, that's strange. Let's use this, and then his vocals kind of roll off the top, almost in a. Like, I wouldn't say he like sings, but he kind of talks a lot, doesn't he? And nowadays he does sing, but the, I'm I'm more talking about the earlier records. But it's very hip hoppy. Yeah, it is. It's got like a, a syncopation to it that you you're driving along with the track, and I think that for me, it's like what I felt like music was, like they just turned the page, didn't they? Was there, was, wasn't that album the fastest selling debut record of all time in England? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> You're like, yeah, 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 I've done my homework, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it kind of reminds me a little bit, you know, it's interesting you pick up on Teddy Picker there. It reminds me of your stuff in that they both have a similar kind of attention grabbing quality. Like Shagga in particular, the whole way through that record, you know, every five seconds, is kind of this other bit of ear candy, there's something going on to kind of keep you hooked into it in a similar way that they kind of achieve from the momentum of the
1: song, if that makes sense. Oh, for sure. And that's a a huge compliment if you're comparing us to them. So (laughs) I'll take it. Write that. Put that in the bio. (laughs) How do you go
0: about constructing something in that fashion, though? Is it a case of kind of refining every moment very particularly? Like making sure that every kind of five seconds you have something that's going to keep people in and keep pulling them along on the the journey?
1: I, I think I'm going back, like, if I'm thinking of my stuff, like, yes and no like sometimes when you listen to a song like or when you do write a track like say say you write a track i know a lot of people will say the best songs write themselves and it's no word of a lie it's like you would sit down and you know what comes next even before you've wrote it you're almost humming the words or whatever or you're playing the melody and that song might come to you in like five minutes and because you haven't really overthought it it just flows naturally the way that you've sort of subconsciously intended it to be um i think there's like definitely a case when a lot of porn grump stuff where i just go to town and overthink and come back and listen to it and and then try and polish shit for (laughs) a good six months but (laughs) you can hear like let's just take like fluorescent adolescent like that song is a perfect song there doesn't you can't add anything you can't take anything away from it i'd say another perfect song is probably blur song two where it's just like i know they've recorded that as a joke but that gets smashed all around the world like on radio it will be a track that you're like what's a heavy song and you think of like kill switch engage or you try and put on some corn or some slipknot but then blur song two is up there with like one of the heaviest tracks going and it's just them, I don't know, it's like this progression where it's going from low to high, where you've got the the riff ascending, the vocals doing something, I don't know, just screaming. It makes sense. And they said they wrote that in like two minutes. Same with Paranoid by Black Sabbath. So like they had a bit of time left on the, um, on the reel. So they were like, oh, let's just do this. It, it's funny that sometimes the less you kind of put into it, the more comes out of it, and I think with you can hear that with Arctic Monkeys as well. How simple it sounds, but not because of the simplicity is why it works. It's because I think Alex Turner probably, apart from the the recent record where you can tell they've thought about what they're doing there. That sounds amazing, "Tranquility Base Hotel," like that almost goes into the next stage of their evolution. Where you're like, I'm so excited for them to put out another album now. Because you're like, where are they going to go? Like, they've just ruled the world with pop music or, rock music for so long. Throw this, like, spanner into the old gears through this left turn. And I think what they did was gather a lot more musical fans, if that makes sense. They are not, they weren't going for the, the radio crowd or the people that already liked them. They were like, well... Do you want to gather some more respect from it? I th- yeah, I, for sure. I know, for sh- like, definitely in our band, like, I think Rish... For instance, he's like one of the most hard... (laughs) You can't show him anything. He hates everything. Danny doesn't like music. I don't know. But (laughs) he definitely does. But they're (laughs) hard to please, those kind of people. But I know when we were putting that album on um, when we were touring, and they were like, what? This is Arctic Monkeys? And I think that's what... They got respect from musicians. It didn't get smashed on the radio, but you know that all the people that are listening to, I don't know, some strange strange bands or whatever bands they're, like, listen to. The Arctic Monkeys, that album will probably be in their playlist rather than an AM or something. It'll probably be quality bass.
0: Yeah, I get what we mean. It's almost... Do you feel like, as you know, from an artist's point of view too, that as time goes on, how do you kind of goals and what you want to achieve with it change world
1: domination no. <laughs>
0: no, i don't know well, i don't know uh, i guess that's kind of what we're touching upon Are they achieved that and then kind of went past that in search of something more they they
1: did and it's really nice having these conversations with yourself because i was speaking to um tony from middle eight um and i love watching his videos and he's got this one video on um why didn't architect monkeys break america or something I was like, mate, they've absolutely smashed America. Like, from my <laughs> point of view, like, they're doing stadiums. But it's like, I suppose they're not at the level of, like, Imagine Dragons or, like, the, the rock pop world of maybe a Queens. Of, I don't know. Well, who would be a sort of similar band? The Killers, for instance, maybe that kind of yeah. stage. It was really, like, I don't think there's been an English band that has really risen to the American audience, has it? Like, apart from Ed Sheeran. Or Adele, like if you if we're comparing Arctic Monkeys to that kind of stage, but they're they're so different. Like they've got the respect from the musicians, they've got the rock capabilities of Queens and Stone Age. They can put out anything they want to do, but they're also one of the largest bands going. I don't know how big Muse, how big a Muse in like uh, America. <sighs> Re- relatively big, like it's they, hard to they, judge because it was
0: a, a while back, wasn't it? Probably about 20 years ago now, yeah. Really, that kind of first explosion music, yeah.
1: But almost they, 20 years, but they probably headline festivals. I know Arctic Monkeys now would probably be like a headline slot. I think that was from AM, yeah. But before AM, it was like having the fastest selling, like debut album of all time or something, like in England, and then releasing Favorite Worst Nightmare afterwards. It did take a while for that, like it literally took like five albums for them to get that sort of. That first album's very British, though. It's definitely British, but then I like the way that the the British sort of take upon all cultures of music. Like they will, they won't be like, oh, like his, it's American, so we'll support our own or whatever. It's like you've got so many bands coming over to Europe. Like I remember touring with Frankie and the Witch Fingers, and and they they were backwards, backwards and forwards going to uh, to Europe. Like there's such a beautiful crowd or like there's so many people that want to see such different music whereas you come to Australia and it's so different there is like a genre like there's one radio station that sort of dictates what gets played what festivals get put on and it's difficult for bands to come here because of that and so let's say the Mars Volta for instance they'd probably be doing like I don't know what they're doing like 10,000 20,000 cap rooms in America and doing big festival shows but here it's like they'd probably be doing like 2000 cap which is weird because they're not on the radio they're a hard band to sort of get into a bit of a niche project but because the demographic of or the population is so condensed in europe and on and america you get that like listener I, it's just the cities are bigger i suppose your your manager murray he worked in some campaigns for the art of monkeys right <laughs> he did he did you <laughs> should've, i should have got him on this with you yeah i call him It's saved as murray monkeys in my phone <laughs> <laughs> he was, uh, I think they started working with them from Humbug. Was that the third album? Third album's Humbug. Yeah. 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 yeah so, yeah, yeah. so they signed to Wildlife. And so when we were, we were with Wildlife and uh, at the same time as them, and we went, we literally got off the plane. There's a good story actually, where the first time we ever went to tour um, UK, we like landed in London. And my brother came down and met us uh, this mile, mile end beds. So it's like this, really bad backpackers and we had um, a thousand records delivered to the to the hostel where we had to put them all into whatever like package them up and ship them off and English post is not like it's so different like if you don't the stamps go out a day by like a day so you have to do a thousand records in a day and we were just like what the fuck we didn't even know and Richard paid like eight grand and they all went expired and so Murray was like I've got tickets, and I think uh, Arctic Monkeys were playing at the O2. So they just released. This would have been twenty nineteen when they just released Tranquility Base.
0: And They did a few shows at the O2, didn't
1: they? Yeah, and so Murray managed to be like, he's like, I got got tickets, so we we're like, oh sweet, and we, obviously, we'd just got off the plane, had to ship all these records, realized they're expired, so we're fucked. We we're just like jet lagged, but we're like, we're going to this gig, like it's gonna be sick. Started drinking anyway. Like after the show, we're all buzzed because I don't know our blood was probably thin from being 50,000 feet in the air (laughs) for 24 (laughs) hours. And then, uh, Anyway, that, like, there's Alex Turner and there's the Arctic Monkeys. So, like, we managed to go backstage with them, and we were just like, this is sick. This is so sick. So I remember going up to him, and as we walked over, Rish tripped up, sp- spilt his pint, and it smashed all over his shoes. Oh, <laughs> and, we, and I was like, no! That was, like, the only time we ever would be cool. We could just be like, hey, man. All I wanted to say was, hey, man, sick gig, the classic. But... <laughs> Like, yeah, I couldn't even get that in. <laughs> Just turned into a, hey man, really sorry. <laughs> Do you want some Paper towel? Which is, oh no, yeah, but hopefully he remembers this.
0: It's funny you say Murray, you know, started working with them on Humbug. Because if we compare Humbug to the debut record, almost unrecognizable. And if we compare Humbug to, you know, AM or Tranquility Base, again, the same. Yeah. You know, they go through these phases where every record does have its own distinct sound and it feels like its own unique thing for you as a creator what do you feel has been the biggest jump in a porn crumpets record
1: i think it's it's like you're in the eye of the storm that it's really hard to distinguish like i do try and think about it and i think listening back like you can definitely hear it i think the from myself i have no idea but i'm sure other people will be able to gather it but i think it's like you get more mature and you sort of want to write cleanly if that makes sense like you try and like I would say, Shiger is our messiest album. It's weird. It's like I think the ideas are there, but I, the production on it and everything. After listening back, you're like, "Oh, we sh- I should have done this or should have done that." And and I think trying to write an album about alcohol and you smash it the whole time and recording it, it's probably not a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> but so now it's like, all right, get get the buzz, find what you're going for, record it. Maybe when you're clean, or maybe when you're just not drunk. So, uh, and you can and listen back and hear it. And I think there's so many ways that maybe that's what you can hear in the Arctic Monkeys as well. It's like people are always trying to refine what an instrument sounds like. So even if you talk to any guitarist, I suppose, or like piano player or drummer, it's like they'll never be happy with the the tone they've got. They might be, but then two years later, they'll be like, oh, what was I doing? And sound and tone and music and recording is constantly changing. It's like it's not it's like this fashionable sound it's like what was kind of cool in the 90s sounds probably sounds disgusting now uh and the 80s is a bit weird but then the 70s vibe came back and the, now the 80s vibe is coming back and you've got, you've got like a lot of girl bands or coming up here like and boy bands now in uh, australia who are getting that Spice Girls level back. And you're just like, what? Is that cool again? <laughs> but it's, it's getting smashed on the radio. It's like super good.
0: Confidence might have kind of got a bit of that, though. Like, doing it slightly ironically.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the way you do it. Like, I know Pond did it with the 80s thing. And it's like, the irony of it, but they're doing... It's almost a parody, isn't it? But then taking it seriously, but the sound is a parody. And then you're like, it, do we get the joke? Are we the joke? Like, and, and then you're like, is there a joke? Or am I not getting it? And then you're sort of like... But it's like the more you try and hold on to something, time will forget you pretty quickly. So going from Arctic Monkeys, like they're never going to release like a garage rock album again. Like, Oh, they might do. It would be amazing. But if you've got, like, like, take tra- tra- uh, Tranquility Bass, how clean everything sounds. Like it's so, like, precise. Like you have this Rhodes piano just sort of sitting nicely on, a drum kit and that drum kit is literally just a kick and a snare in most of that track like there isn't even there's no big symbols there's nothing to sort of take away from the vocals and and it sounds like it's got this flavor of a Kubrick movie like you like the way they all did the videos for it as well which is insane There's like, an there, elegance to it there is and I think that's that getting more mature as an artist like i can i man it's funny if you can i feel like i know what i need to do (laughs) putting it into like perspective and actually doing it is so much harder (laughs) and looking at arty monkeys and the way they have done it is probably the reason they are one of the if not they will be in i mean they're definitely if the rock and roll hall of fame is a thing i don't even pay attention to it but they'll be in there They're, they're the type of band that will get to that state where they're just they are household names now it's like everybody knows that band if you were trying i mean when you start off in music that's sort of like your goal isn't it or like your dream it's like at least have enough people to listen to you to be like whether they like it or not is up to them but if they've just listened to you that's pretty cool